Hi, everyone. My name is Dahlia Strum, and you're listening to the Decision Makers Podcast. We're back with season two with a new name, new feel, and all new guests. We're going to be chatting with industry professionals and entrepreneurs about insights, strategies, and behind-the-scenes approaches to support your initiatives. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, everybody. We are back. We are here at Decision Makers uh, live at WeWork, and my guest for today is Jarrett McGovern from Rise Brewing Company. Hey. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so what you're doing to me is really fascinating because you're taking coffee and you're almost being mindful of the consumer. Um, you just gave me a quick pep talk on the oats and you know so much about the background ingredients, but you are, I'm actually your target customer because you are being mindful of like, um, whether it's allergens or people that are very aware of what they're putting into their body. So um, even if like there's cross-contamination, you're not going to say, but it it could theoretically be marked as gluten. You're actually going to leave that off the uh, the label. So tell us a little bit about Rise Brewing Company. You know, I think for us, we, um, we didn't start brewing coffee to create a company. We started brewing coffee because we loved coffee. We loved cold brew. And uh, the process of cold brewing, when you brew coffee cold, you don't heat up the beans. The beans don't release acidity, so the coffee tastes naturally sweet. Yeah. Um, I was working in water filtration at the time, so we used uh, my water filter to brew our cold brew. And it was a real focus on taste and ingredients from that point on, and still is. So uh, I appreciate you appreciating us being mindful of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the mission of our company, to use the best ingredients possible organic that tastes good and are good for you. Um, so we basically set out to make the best tasting cold brew we could possibly make. Um, we kind of searched the world by going to like local roasteries in, in New York City. Uh, Puerto Rico was one of the big spots we went to and you walk in there and there's just burlap bags of coffee from all over the world. Um, and we tried everything they had in there. Um, and we wanted to try and find the bean that best celebrated the taste of cold brew. Um, by not having acidity, what other flavor notes came to the foreground? Um, for us, uh, the beans that we chose are organic from Chanchamayo, Peru, and they tasted naturally chocolatey, naturally sweet. So our cold brew tasted naturally like it had chocolate and sugar in it, but it had nothing. It was just filtered water or organic beans. Um, from that point on, we kind of said, okay, well, what more can we do? Um, how can we brew this in big beer brewing tanks? At that time, I was using a toddy and you can make four cups of coffee a day. Wow, um, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, but not enough. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm on my third third cup already. <laughs> yeah, I, you know that that was kind of it too. Like, I would uh, <laughs> drink, you know, like <laughs> maybe like one or two a day, and then only have one extra one to like share with friends. And so we said, how can we brew more? How can we cold brew this all in a big beer brewing tank? And started looking into beer brewing, beer brewing methods. Um, long story short, got really fascinated with nitrogen. Yeah. Um, loved Guinness beer. Loved how Guinness tastes creamy, but yet there's no cream in it. It tastes heavy, but it's the same calories as Bud Light. How uh, interesting is that, by the way? Somebody once told me that, and I was like, no, yeah, it's really? Like, oh, I can't have that. I'm so full. It's like, okay, well, that's the lightest beer you could probably have. Yeah. You know? But, because you think it's so much heavier than it actually is. Yeah, the nitrogen gives it kind of like a creamy taste. Yeah. And like, literally saw people homebrewers brewing uh, root beer and conditioning it, as they call it in the brewing world, with nitrogen. 
and saying this tastes like a root beer float without adding any ice cream. Wow. And we said, well, our cold brew tastes like sugars in our coffee without adding any sugar. So if we can combine the elements of cold brew with nitrogen, we could kind of take like a latte tasting drink without cream or sugar. And I think like getting back to your original point, let's do that with the best ingredients possible. Right. Let's celebrate the bean that we're using. Let's make it organic. Let's use filtered water. Um, and let's create this kind of latte experience without cream, sugar, chemicals, or calories. Interesting. So um, I just like, it's funny, when you just opened your <laughs> coffee, it made this sound. And all of a sudden, I associated it to like a soda pop, right? Yeah. Like, I never really knew what it meant when people would say pop. And then you popped open your coffee, and um, there was like this loud pop. And I was like, oh, now I understand why it's a soda pop. Have you ever thought about like kind of um, associating any nostalgic kind memento or in yeah. like... I don't know anything around this. I think I think for us it's like the sound of organic energy. Yeah. You know? um, we call it a roar, um, and I think we're just you know we're still a young company, so we're just still figuring out like what you know to do, what to pour more resources into, what to like kind of you know is it is there a picture of a lion? Is you know do we do we have a mascot for it? Do yeah. It, but you know I think the cool thing now is you kind of just like let it play out and the community you listen to your echoes you listen to your community and they kind of tell you which way to go i mean like even going all the way back to naming our products we um we launched in brooklyn uh at a restaurant called colony restaurant on tap uh in 2000 early early 2015 and at that point in time you know we were by the way that's only four years ago it's crazy yeah i mean we were brewing Still using a toddy in my apartment, converted my co-founder's garage into our first brewery. Um, you know, so we had very humble beginnings, and we didn't even name the product for like two months. You know, wow. and it was kind of like we would ask the bartenders, like, "Hey, what what are people calling it?" You know, and we always had this thought, uh, you know, of saying like, "Our LLC was Rise and Shine LLC." You know, but oh, we hadn't named the product yet, and we're like, "Okay, this is going to be like an early morning, provide you awesome energy, like help you like." attack the day like conquer your challenges kind of thing with the connotation of being like happy and and all that kind of stuff and some people would say because our coffee cascades like a guinness they would say should i drink it now or should i let it rise and we had this like whiteboard that we'd say okay here's our favorite names here's uh what like the bartenders and the waitresses at colony are saying how can we combine those two together um and and constantly hearing people say should i let it rise and us saying rise and shine we just we named it rise eventually awesome but yeah i think like what you said earlier is like everything in our product everything on our can is a product of our community and and what actually works you know yeah um like when we first launched it was just nitro black coffee and that was probably the first like year um even when we launched our first cafe we were only selling you know two kegs of you know, two draft lines of, of nitro black coffee on the streets in New York, like in the fall and winter. And um, eventually we said, let's add milk to this. And when we said, let's add milk, we said, let's add all the organic dairy and, and dairy-free milks we can. And quickly we found out that 70% of our latte drinkers that rise were dairy-free drinkers. Yep. So we said, okay, let's I find I fall the, into that. <laughs> the, as, as did we, you know. And so we said, let's find the best well, dairy-free milk. Cheers. let's find the best dairy-free milk possible you know the one that tastes the best is also the best for you um and it really tastes amazing it's so good yeah oat milk's got a very nice creaminess to it it's got a natural sweetness to it so 
I think a lot of people who grew up drinking like dairy milk and whole milk that now want to switch, it's like the like dairy milk drinkers, dairy free milk of choice. Right. Because it has the same consistency as whole milk. It's got a good creaminess. It combines well with coffee. It doesn't separate. And it's got a natural sweetness that dairy milk has too. And it's funny because I, the first question that I asked you when you walked in was, why do some of these say gluten? Why do some of them actually not say gluten? And your response was that um, the oat milk is actually gluten-free, but because of cross-contamination, you don't want to have to – you don't want to market it inappropriately, right? I think what we're trying to build is trust. And I right. think any company that you really, really like, whether it's like – I don't know, I want to say Patagonia because I just love what they do, like their logos. And I love how they've gone from like a small, you know, community of climbers to skiing to snowboarding to now surfing. And they can go anywhere. They yeah. can make any product. Um, their products, they give it a lifetime guarantee. They stand for quality. You can trust a bathing suit from them or, you know, a, a, a ski jacket. And I think for us, we want to build that same trust. So even though we're using gluten-free ingredients if there's any gluten in there and somebody has a very very serious celiac you know uh, allergy we don't want to uh, promote it as something that might not uh, affect them because truthfully like as you pull up you know acres and acres of oats there could always be barley or wheat or something in there that gets pulled into it and anybody who just has like a small stomach issue um, doesn't have a problem at all but if you have a really serious allergy you know we want you to kind of Stay away. We yeah. don't want to say that, you know, it's not because we're, we're building trust. And I think with all the ingredients we use, like whether it's looking for chocolate for our mocha, we use organic chocolate. Uh, coffee beans are always organic. The oats are organic. We use a touch of sunflower oil to make our oat milk, and that's organic sunflower oil as well. And it's not just finding the one organic source. It's also finding the, the as many organic sources as we can and then saying which to actually taste the best. You said something so valuable just now, and it's almost like the theme of today. It's about building trust, right? Um, talk to us more about that. What does that mean to you? I think you know the products that I that I trust. Um, you know, the it's a mutual kind of value proposition. Yeah. Um, where I trust them, like I said, you know, like oh, Patagonia is doing surfing. Sure, I'll walk in the store and I'll buy a bathing suit because I know they stand for quality. Um, I think. That's years and years of trust, trust their branding, trust that they're uh, making good, high-quality stuff. I think for us in the drink side of it, um, we have some seasonal flavors that we play around with at our cafe. Every once in a while, those seasonal flavors do really well, and they get pulled into stores like Whole Foods. That we, had, we made a citrus line of organic blood orange juice and coffee. And an organic lemonade and coffee, kind of like a. We I call, want to try those. We so called it a badly. nitro palmer. Yeah. But like, those were the ones. That, nitro palmer. I love that. <laughs> and then a nitro John Daly if you put a little vodka in it. But yeah. <laughs> we, those were the ones that actually got us into Whole Foods. You know, we weren't into Whole Foods yet. Um, we have our own brewery. We have our own, you know, canning line at our brewery. So we can be nimble. Um, but for us, we, you know, we used to have something when we were a bit, little bit less busy and we still do it. Um, often, but not as as often, uh, called F around Fridays, and we'd go to the tap room and we'd say, "Let's nitro a bunch of stuff from like rosé to apple juice to lemonade uh, to different kinds of lattes, different kinds of milks, and let's kind of share it all together at the end of the day and be like, hey, what worked? Honestly, most of them worked. Nitrogen really? is an incredible ingredient for a lot of these things, um, but one of them was creating an Arnold Palmer with coffee." And once we did that, we said, let's turn our cafe into a lemonade stand and see 
you know how it goes one weekend sold out had like lines out the door um facebook came by and they said they want to have this these kegs on draft you know we hadn't really figured out how we would roll it out yet but we were like okay cool let's let's track this yeah you know let's actually take it away from the cafe for a week and then say how many people came back asking for that a bunch of people did it's kind of like our like McRib uh, kind of thing. <laughs> bunch of people asked for it. And so then we, we relaunched it at the cafe on draft again. Same kind of success. Um, and a Whole Foods forager came by and said, this is great. Would love to like basically send this up the chain. Um, we canned it at the brewery um, and uh, sent it to the, to the buyers at Whole Foods. And they said, we want to launch the blood orange and the lemonade at Whole Foods, but it can't say seasonal on it because the first cans, you know, said right. seasonal on it. Um, and we're like, cool. And like, so to get back into it, um, I think it's very hard to say, like, I want to have a blood orange juice and coffee combo. I want to have like a, you know, an Arnold Palmer with coffee. People don't naturally say that. But because I think we established trust in, you know, our ingredients and, and everything that we make, people were willing to, you know, take that dive and yeah. say, I'll try it. Because at the end of the day, it, I, it might not be what I like in taste, but I know it's going to be good for me. And I'm and I trust these guys. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of like for us, um, you know, as we keep building out new SKUs, whether it's oat milk um, or a mocha with oat milk or a bunch of stuff we've got in the pipeline, I think because we've established trust with our community, they're going to try the next one. And even if it's not a flavor that they would like, then they're going to suggest it to someone who they think might like it. Right. So you sound like you might be the luckiest guy on the planet. Um, all of a sudden, you're launching these new lines, these new items, and it sounds like you have lines out the door, Whole Foods is approaching you, Facebook is approaching you almost immediately. How does that happen? I think, um, you know, we were certainly fortunate, um, but, uh, you know, my grandfather taught me that there's no such thing as luck. Yep. You know, you, you kind of create your opportunities and... Um, I, I think for us, we wanted, we knew that what we were making at home was better than what we could find on the shelves. That okay. was the, that was the first thing, you know, we were all working other jobs and we said, you know, let's do this. You know, if we want this, there's other people like us out there that will want this too. So we all kind of dove in head first and, um, I think really believed in each other and believed in the product. And I think that's like the most important thing, like waking up in the morning didn't feel like work anymore. It felt like we were on a team and let's like put some points on the board and score some goals. Yeah. Um, so Spoken I think like a true sportsman. <laughs> 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 and we, yeah, we did grow up together too. So it was nice. We kind of knew what each person was really good at and they could focus on their strengths. And we had played sports with each other as well. So we had a good like kind of team spirit. Um, but I think what we were really... Uh, what attracted others to us is we were um, probably the first brand to focus on nitro coffee uh, that we knew of. Right. Um, we were also one of the first to, to do nitro coffee, um, and especially nitro cold brew. I, didn't, I don't know if anybody else was doing that at that time. So I think by having this unique new thing, a lot of people wanted to try it. And as it started growing, as other people started doing nitro coffee, um, it created a big market for us. And I think because we'd been in it for so long, um, so long, but longer than most, I think there's a an investor term, like first one through the door is the first to get shot. But for us, 
we were one of the first through the door so we could actually figure out our process right. better than others. And we always had to do it ourselves. Um, you know, I think I called probably like 100 beer breweries, if not 200 or 300. I you know, don't know the number to say, hey, we, we're doing nitro coffee. Can you scale this for us? And they all said no. Really? So we had to do it ourselves. I and mean, people, beer breweries didn't want to run beer with the same equipment and then put coffee through it, then deal with coffee grinds right. and like... Uh, have to clean their tubes and deal with the whole process. And so it, I think it was a benefit for us that we had to figure out our own methods um, and do it ourselves. Um, and that created a barrier to entry for others to try and get in for a pretty significant amount of time. Um, when Starbucks started doing nitro coffee, it was a big moment for us because um, I think they launched it in 900 stores. Yep. It was the top selling or the top two selling thing they had at their Seattle uh, roastery, which is like their first like roastery that they're now rolling out uh, all over the country. Um, and they launched it and we said, is this going to be good or bad for us? And as it turned out, I mean, it was the best thing ever for us. Because when we first launched it, people a lot smarter than us would say, this is great, it tastes great, but get rid of the word nitro. It's scary. Right. It sounds like an energy drink. You guys are using all organic ingredients. You care about the ingredients so much. This sounds like, you know, a car, you know, like nitro thing or like another Red Bull or whatever. Um, but for us, nitro was so important. Um, it wasn't just something that helped the cascade. Uh, it wasn't just something that helped the taste, uh, making, making it taste creamier. Um, it was also something that preserved our coffee. You know, 79% of the air we breathe is nitrogen. So we basically take nitrogen out of the air, put it into the cans, uh, put it into the beer brewing tanks now. But um, and get all the oxygen out, so our coffee is not getting oxidized. And in the early days when we were cold brewing without nitrogen, we realized how quickly coffee would change taste and bacteria and mold would grow on it. Because once oxygen hits coffee, especially cold brew, um, you really have like 20 minutes until it starts tasting sour, wow. and you got like four or five days until mold starts growing. But with nitrogen added to it, um, so when we brew, we get rid of all the oxygen. So think of like a banana or an avocado changes color when it gets oxidized, changes yep. taste. Coffee is the same way. When we brew, we get rid of all the oxygen, and it's very, very nitrogen-rich, if not totally. And from day one, our kegs would last six months, and they'd stay fresh wow. with, with, with taste and preservation. So it was a huge, huge thing for us early on. And I think getting back to it again, like what what was fortunate for us is that this category started building out. Right. And players like Starbucks started getting into it. And they validated it for you. 100%. I think it's like kind of like almost like IPA beers and like craft beer. Yeah. You know, it's like there's 6,500 plus craft breweries in the United States. Um, and there's probably like 60 coffee breweries. And people drink more coffee than beer, if not the same, in the U.S. So there's a huge market. So we don't have to compete with each other. We actually celebrate each other when they're making good, innovative things. Um, and then there's a lot of kind of like follow the leader stuff that goes on now. I think you see that with oat milk. But, <clears throat> um, you know, I think there's a big, big room for uh, growth in, in the whole industry. And I think those of us who are collaborating together kind of like winning out on this thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, people at that early, early time, like we didn't have any money for marketing, but like so much of it was like, you know, their podcasts or blogs or magazines because they were discovering us and providing a story to what nitro coffee was to their community so, um, so it was all like our very organic growth yeah 
funny enough, I don't know if you would even know this, but um, you guys uh, sponsored my Rethink Connect symposium last year nice. um, with Rise Brewing Company. So, like, <clears throat> we featured you guys. You were our morning coffee, and it was great. It was a great experience. Um, I think that, just like you said, I was thinking about, like, whether or not the competition in the market could hurt you or help you, and I appreciate your perspective of especially in this vertical specifically, um, that you're rallying around each other, right? Like Definitely. you're, there's so much opportunity, especially because you're drinking how many coffees a day? This is my third. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm usually between like six to 10. Wow. <laughs> I might be bouncing off the wall with that much coffee. <laughs> yeah. I self-medicate, you know, I have like beer or wine at night, but yeah. Because no. <laughs> you need to level yourself down. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so you said a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. Um, I agree with you. Where there really like is so much opportunity for uh, growth in this space. You said something along the lines of the brewing companies weren't necessarily able to support your approach. And then also the second part of that, which I really, really appreciate, was um, that you didn't give up on the premise that you thought nitrogen, especially featuring that verbiage in your product and your marketing, was really important. How do you stick with your gut? How do you know 100%. that this is the answer? And how did you know that you needed it, you needed to build out your own breweries, that all these roadblocks weren't saying, hey guys, let's take a step back. Maybe maybe we're not meant to do this. I, I You know, we believed in each other. We believed in the product. Yeah. Um, others loved it and wanted it. And the same thing that drives us today to keep expanding was the same thing that drove us then, which is we want to share our product with as many people as possible. Yeah. Wherever somebody wants a rise, we want to be there to make sure that they can purchase it um, or have it. Um, so, you know, building the brewery, getting in the garage, getting out of the garage, getting in the apartment, buying keg equipment at Brooklyn Homebrew, like all that kind of stuff was all to say, how can we make more of this? How can we share this with more people? Yeah. Um, still what drives us. What's interesting is very early on, cold brew exploded. And uh, everybody was cold brewing. And even when we were first launching, people would be like, oh, well, too late. I had cold brew at this cafe. And we're like, yeah, well, there is a difference between just cold brew and nitro cold brew. Right. Um, adding nitrogen, as we said before, is a natural preservative, better for the taste, uh, cascades, a cool experience. It also brings together the flavors in a great way too. Like it makes, uh, if you add like three or four things together, nitrogen kind of is like the binder of it all. Like it kind of like brings it all together. Um, so it looks cool. It, it's great for preservation. It's great for taste. Um, and I think when we were pitching the first like grocery stores and markets, they would be like, we have five cold brews. And we'd say, yeah, but we're different. Like try this. You don't have a nitro cold brew. And I think that was a differentiator for us that got us into a lot of shelves and opened up a bunch of doors. And then on top of that, you know, our mission was really at the beginning to make the best tasting with the best ingredients thing we could for ourselves, for our friends, for our family, for our then girlfriends now who are mostly wives. And um, we said we don't want to start. We don't want to. If you were coming over to my apartment, I, I wouldn't want to like be like, oh, shit, I got to uh, brew some like high margin coffee beans here. You know, it's not about <laughs> that. It's like I want to make the best tasting thing possible so we can enjoy our experience together. And so, how can we keep that mission and and continue to grow? 
And, you know, to this day, I think we're still one of the only organic uh, nitro coffee companies out there. And that means a lot to us because what we're, like we just said, I think I drink eight to 10 a day. I want to make sure I'm putting good stuff into my body. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody's getting good stuff. And I think then that makes it so that a lot of people can, you know, have ammo to share the product and the story with their close community and, and, and help the growth. But um, in terms of some of the big accounts, they'd say, I remember we, we pitched a, a huge national chain. I won't, won't say who it is. Um, not in food, but they wanted to have like a unique experience. And, and the guy drew a Venn diagram. And he said, here's this big circle. Here's this little circle here. He goes, this is cold brew. This is nitro. He's like, why don't you just do cold brew? Yeah. And we're like, well, there's a lot of people doing cold brew. Um, we're different. We're nitro, you know, and, and here are the benefits for it. We didn't get in that chain, but, you know, we still stayed true to our mission. This is important. This category is growing. We believe in it. And, like, even to this day when we hire people or potentially work with partners or collaborators, I think in the back of my head back in that early day of, like, 2014, 2015, would this person have tried to say do cold brew and don't do nitrogen? Right. And and it's actually like a big thing that I'm like always running in the back of my head. Is this a cold brew person or a nitro person? Is this a kind of like a me too, this is what everybody's doing person? Or is this somebody who wants to like make a dent in the universe and be an innovator and like believe in something that might be harder, but like every challenge is an opportunity, right? Um, so, you know, we, we believed in the product. Um, we believed in the taste of it. We believed in the way it made us feel. And uh, it was easy after that. Yeah. It sounds like it. Are you in that national chain now? <laughs> Still not. Still not. Do you think they'd give you think, another chance? I don't think they're doing very well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they might. They might. I mean, they might have been doing better if they if they took us in. But it was. Um... <laughs> That's a bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that mentality of you know of like, hey, this is something that we've been doing for a long time. We know what 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 you know how the world works. Versus saying, like, let's keep getting better every day. Right. And, like, everybody on our team says that, right? Like, we're always looking to, like, make a better tasting skew or to say what's the next skew out there. Um, and I think it gets back into that first statement. We're always listening to our consumers, you know. We have cafes. We don't have a cafe model of, like, you know, that would be like a Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. But we like to have a cafe in the major territories we're in. Right. Pacific Northwest, New York. We're probably going to open up one uh, in Northern California, maybe Southern California. And a lot of it is like to, A, launch new flavors in there and see what the actual feedback is. But, B, figure out what that market is all about and what they love and, like, figure out how we can, like, learn from them and, and, and vice versa. But, like, it's constantly learning, right? Like, I, my first job was um, with Sobe Beverages. I was in high school, and I was sampling so South Beach Beverages, it was called back then. I remember that. And gas stations. Yep. And I remember it was four flavors. It was before they converted to Sobe and, like, brought on a lizard and all that kind of stuff. It was like a city skyline of South Beach. And I don't think it was that successful on the launch. But I remember there was an orange carrot drink. And uh, I remember being like, this orange carrot drink is not going to sell. I mean, I'm in high school. Orange carrot doesn't seem like a thing. Like, there was three other drinks that they had. And uh, as it turned out, you know, the orange carrot was the one that tasted like consumers kept saying, this is the best one. This is the best one. So, you know, when they finally launched Sobe, that was the one, if not, there, maybe there was one other flavor that, came, that made it over to the Sobe launch, but that was the one that they brought over. And I think it just kind of like, 
taught me a like sampling to figure out you know what consumers want because that's the most important thing and like secondly like you won't know and like the the main purpose of what you're trying to do is to build a community of people that love things then figure out what is what it is that they love about your company how can you pour more resources into that and grow that and i think what they learned early on is that trend of like health was starting to hit and they said okay orange carrot you know like carrots vitamins vegetable that kind of thing it was like pre-juice pre-jamba juice pre-juice press pre all that kind of stuff and then they said let's add like ginseng and like all these different herbal things into the line of sobe and kind of built it around that core community and i think like that's what you're trying to do as a brand is listen to your core and figure out how you can keep growing your company with your core and then attract more people on your core but if you start like you know losing your mission you know i think uh if you don't stand for something you can fall for a lot of things and that's when it gets a little bit scary I agree with you. I think that like you have to have a premise and you have to stand behind it. And I think that out of this entire conversation, that's the part that I value the most that you knew and you felt in your gut that you had to stick with the concept around nitro, making sure that you didn't hide it, that you that you were proud of it, you uh, featured it front and center. And then you were able to also like really rally behind these uh, like wholesome natural core ingredients that make you who you are and I mean, look, being a startup is hard. People are giving you advice left and right. The problem is it doesn't mean that they're giving you the right advice. So right. it's figuring out how to filter and how to make sense of the advice that you're being given. Definitely. So speaking about that, is there something that – is there a mistake that you made or something that you wish you would have done differently? Yeah, I think, you know, the adage of – on a macro level, the adage of like find your passion, you know, like people say that all the time. And I don't think I understood what that was. And until we started this company and, and, you know, when you are really proud of what you're selling, you don't feel like you're selling it. You feel like you're sharing it. Right. When you're proud of your company, you don't feel like you're working. You feel like you're just like going out and like putting up points with, with, with your teammates, totally. you know? So I think you know, everything happens for a reason, and I, and, but not finding that maybe earlier. Uh, I wish I kind of, like, found that maybe earlier in life. But at the same point, we are where we are. Yeah. Um, and, and for Rise, is there anything that I would regret specifically? Um, I'm sure there's all little things, but not really. I think, like, you know, even that other adage, like what David Bowie said, the older I get, I realize all the cliches are true. You know, it's like, I you know, don't look back. You know, like, keep, keep moving forward remember but like don't harp on anything like negative that happened because there's a big future out there yeah so um or even like a mistake that you might have made and what you would have done differently um millions of mistakes (laughs) (laughs) Um, millions of missed shots but um See, like, those are the things that I feel like we learn from, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like it's the it's things like I don't that... feel bad about them. You know? No, it's yeah. It's like every mistake, like, helped in a way. We, we took a lot of chances. You know, like, we're, we're long shots from the beginning. We still yeah. are long shots. So we've taken a lot of chances, and um, everything kind of seems like a potential mistake that kind of, like, has a, has a uh, looking back looks good Sometimes now. Sometimes it's good to be naive, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you just keep trying until you make sense of things. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, like, yeah. Mar- Mark Twain, like, uh, 
Mark Twain said uh, no one told them it was impossible, so they did it. Yeah. You know, I think we just kind of like set out, believed in it, and, and went. Look, yeah. you keep throwing things at the wall sometimes, and some of them stick, and some of them you just go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we need to try this from a different angle, maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that's a, a good look at it. And like, you know, for us, like when we first launched, people said, uh, okay, like when it first picked up any sort of steam or when we started throwing nitro on it, um, people would be like, okay, you know, like, cool, this, you guys got a business, like, we know, we know how to build businesses, we know what to do, like, trust me, you got to go deep and narrow, and it's like, okay, cool, deep and narrow, and, like, our, you know, our mission, what drove us was actually being proud of our product, and, like, someone's in, like, Nashville, and they want our product, oh, cool, let's see how we can get it to them, yeah, you know, like, we had a little cafe in New York, and someone would, you know, come from New Zealand and be like, hey, I was at your cafe, I wanted New Zealand. Like, how can we get it to them, you know? Yeah. So we started figuring out how we could ship refrigerated because our product was refrigerated at the beginning. Um, and uh, now the cans are all shelf-stable so they can get shipped and we can sell Amazing. online. Um, Amazon plug. Yeah, um, <laughs> Amazon plug. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, at, at that point in time, we said, okay, cool. Some people wanted it in Nashville, some people wanted it in Los Angeles. And the... Uh, you know, we kind of had to get together as a team and say, does this make sense? We're spreading ourselves too thin. You know, we're four people right now. Yeah. You know, we've got enough on our plate in New York. But we said, yeah, let's do it. And um, so we, like, literally um, at that point in time, we're, sh- we're, we're brewing out of Grant's garage, and we had, like, a 16-wheeler truck come and be like, hey, guys, I'm on, a, on my way. I'm, like, almost at the brewery. Like, uh, this road's pretty windy. Like, you know, uh, how can I – I'm not – I've got a big truck. I can't – on these roads and like yeah. only on major highways basically um so um where is the brewery i think i'm lost and we're like well you're not lost um but where are you just like park and we threw the pallet of kegs in the back of grant's pickup truck and drove out to meet the guy on the side of the road and like literally pushed a pallet you know five feet up in the air into the 16 wheeler because we didn't have a forklift we had nothing um and we shipped the kegs out to nashville and you know, the next or, or, or Los Angeles, the next week we shipped them out to Nashville and Los Angeles reordered right away. We were on we were on the set of a show uh, and then the Warner Brothers lot and then other shows in the Warner Brothers lot started asking for coffee, too. Wow. So that started growing and we had to figure out how to, like, you know, s- like service that growth. Sure. You know, nitrogen tanks, keg graders, the whole thing. Nashville grew really slowly. And I think a mistake would have been to try and, like, keep pushing it and grow it there but instead we're like this isn't growing you know like that one pallet of kegs is great maybe we shipped another one but we said let's not pour more resources into that now um now we do sell in nashville again and now we're gonna now we have time and resources and people to service it and 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 an actual brewery to to ship stuff out of to, to service that account but i wouldn't view that as a mistake i'd view that as like something that like just didn't work at first and we learned from it yeah um but i think also like back into your comment before of like people have so much advice like yeah you've got to go with what you believe in and I think you do take some chances and hopefully you're you know you're you build a team of people that when it works you pour more resources into it and when it doesn't work you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them totally I think that's great advice thank you so much for being here what's the best way for our audience to reach you um I think you know our Instagram account rise brewing co okay um and uh our website, uh, risebrewingco.com. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, on Amazon, you can purchase it and get it the next day. And then um, Whole Foods and Walmart and uh, soon to launch Kroger. 
That's um, exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. That's so exciting. Yeah, well, cheers. It. I can't wait cheers. for that launch. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a quick review. And feel free to hit me up on Instagram if you want to continue the conversation. I look forward to hearing from you guys.